John's Gospel, John chapter 8, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week, so 31, and we're going to verse 47, so if you'd open your Bibles up there. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. Because, note this, my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen or heard with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and come from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Listen to this, because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father, uh, I'm sorry, the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you, want, you do not believe me? Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, do not, uh, you do not hear because you are not of God. Father, we pray that as we look at these words of our Lord, of you, Lord, that that you would please give us understanding, that you might speak to us, Lord. We pray that you would bring conviction where there needs to be conviction and comfort where there needs to be comfort. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would do a work in our hearts, Lord. Each and every day that we'd be open to the work that you desire to do in our hearts, Lord. Help us not to become stubborn, unyielded, we pray, Lord, for the sensitivity of, your, sensitivity of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I would encourage you um, to keep James Scheffner in prayer. He has pneumonia, so he's in the hospital right now and um, having a hard time breathing and all. And so we want to continue to lift James up. Do so for the next... Uh, few days or so 
And the Lawsons, we want to continue to pray God's grace upon the Lawsons during this time. And uh, Steve and Denise Lewis, um, they have a great-granddaughter. We prayed for her on Wednesday night. She was born three months premature, so the baby's only um, a pound and 13 ounces. But she is breathing, and I mean, there just seems to be, you know, some positive things happening in her life, so we just want to continue praying for them. And uh, Steve Deacon, many of you probably, if you don't know Steve, he's a first service guy and a Wednesday night guy, and, and uh, he's having uh, hip replacement um, surgery on Tuesday of this week, so we want to continue to pray for him. He was telling me this morning that he met someone on the island here, and uh, he's talking to the fellow, and the fellow looks at him, and he says, well, you need to have a hip replacement. The fellow went on to tell him that he's the one who designed the hip replacement, and um, he said that brought him great comfort. Not only was he the one who designed the hip replacement, but he happens to be a devout Christian. And so had just uh, really spoke into Steve's life. So anyway, Lord, we pray for these. You know what each one needs, and we just lift them up to you, Lord. You are a loving Father, and we're so grateful that you care for your children. You tell us to cast our cares upon you. And when we do so, Lord, we're never disappointed. So bless our time in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we saw uh, in our text, and, and last week, if we go back to verse 30, verse 30 we, we read, and as he spoke these words, many believed in him. That's a positive thing. You know, there was always, and there has always been, and there will always be a remnant. You know, guys, to think that the whole, that all of those who profess to be believers, all of those who you know, go to church, or, or they do this, or they do that, um, does not necessarily mean that they are truly disciples of Jesus Christ. We see that in our text today. There were those who believed, we see in verse 30, but in verse 31, it says, then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if, so here's the condition, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The New Living Translation reads, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. There were some in the crowd, obviously, they were tuned in, they were listening to what Jesus was saying, and they believed, they put their faith in him, but obviously it was a limited faith. They had no concept, no understanding of the cross, of the work of redemption, none of those things. They believed. They believed perhaps that, as we saw last week, when he is lifted up, then they will know that he is from the Father. They believed. Their belief was limited. It was shallow at best. They had not committed themselves personally to the Lord. I'm telling you, if you have not committed yourself personally to the Lord, you are on sinking sand. Church will not... <laughs> give you a right standing with the Lord. It's faith and faith alone in the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
It's the redemptive work of Christ that gives us a firm standing. We need to understand this. There is no one righteous, no, not one. Everyone is sinful. The only one that's right and pure in God's eyes is Christ. And that's why this emphasis upon being in Christ, in the Lord, is stressed in the scriptures in the New Testament. You're either in him or you're not in him. Now, Jesus says, if you abide in my word. The word abide is used in the New King James. That's what I read from. The word continue is used in the King James Bible. The Greek word that's used here, it means to stay in a given place. But it also carries with it the idea of having expectancy. So you're not just reading the word of God, I'm diligent, I'm doing my thing. It's like, you know, penance, you know, a Catholic would do their penance and they, you know, say their prayers and everything. And I'll tell you, from a Catholic perspective, uh, many times those were absolutely meaningless. You know, you would go to confession on a Saturday night, you would be given penance for your sins. So you would say, so many our fathers, so many Hail Marys, and uh, and they might throw in a few other prayers, rope prayers in there, you know, and you would recite these prayers. The quicker you could recite those prayers and get out, you were done for the night, you know. I mean, it seems absolutely so ridiculous. There isn't really a sincere desire for God's forgiveness. It's more of a, a routine. It's more of something you just kind of do. Um, We need to be a people who are abiding in his word with expectancy. This is the word of God. I read the word of God. I studied the word of God. I believe that what God says in his word is true. If he says certain things are, are true, like, for example, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I read that. I believe it. I'm abiding in it. There should be expectancy. Expectancy for what? To be set free. To be set free. Now, Jesus, he says, in essence, that the proof of being a true disciple is continuance. You know, there's a lot of people who make the statement, I used to believe, especially nowadays, I used to believe, I used to believe. You know what, here's my personal take on that. The person who says, I used to believe, never believed. I believe that. Because if you believed, I mean, if you're really doing what the Lord tells us to do, if you abide in my word, if you're abiding, if you're continuing in my word, you are my disciples indeed. The person who so quickly gives up their faith in Christ because they come across some verse or, or some experience happens to them and they say, I just don't believe any longer, is a person that's not really built their house, their life upon the word of God, but they've built their house upon what they feel. Oh, when I go to church and I sing those songs, oh, I just feel the presence of the Lord. Well, that's a feeling, folks. That's a feeling. Now, thank God for the feelings if they're based on the word of God. That's why our worship songs, we, 
many times I get up to sing or, or to, to pray at the opening of our services and I say that the songs that we sing, that we would think about them. Why? Because they're scripture. They're not verbatim scripture, but they're, they're drawing from the scriptures. They are truth drawn from the scriptures. And so as we're listening to that, hopefully it's preparing our mind and our heart for the word of God. You know, Jesus, when he taught the parable of the sower, and then he went on to explain the meaning of the parable of the sower, he, he said this, but he who received the seed or the word on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. We've seen a lot of people do that. A lot of people. They receive it with joy and yet have no root in himself, but endure only for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. He gives another example. Now, he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. How many times have we seen that? I guarantee you every person in this room knows somebody that has fallen into one of these two categories. Oh, the word of God. I'm being harassed because I believe the word of God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and yet there are so many professing Christians that are ashamed of the word of God, ashamed of the gospel, ashamed of the fact that Christ is the only way to the Father, that no one comes to the, the Father but through him. So Jesus says, in the beginning of our text today, he says that, that abiding, continuing, equals knowing. He says, you shall know the truth, verse 32. The word know there in the Greek means to know absolutely. It is a deep knowledge based upon the word of God, not upon our feelings. Feelings are so deceiving. I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel like God is going to bless. I feel this. I feel that. Obedience is regardless of what I feel. You know, Lord, I don't feel like opening your word today. But in obedience, I'm going to open your word today. Lord, I don't feel like, you know, going to church, but in obedience, I'm going to go to church. Lord, I don't feel like talking about you today, but in obedience, when the opportunity arises, we talk about the Lord. The blessing of abiding in his word is freedom, according to Jesus. Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set or make you free. And that word free means liberated or to exempt. Now, liberated. Now he goes on, I, I read the text, we, we know that the freedom he's speaking of, it's not, uh, you know, freedom from this, that, or the other, but it's freedom from the bondage of sin. That's what he was speaking of, freedom from the bondage of sin. Um, all of us, <laughs> all of us start out in the bondage of sin. And those who refuse to truly commit their life to Christ and to live for Christ continue in the bondage of sin, which means that, that sin rules your life. Not Christ, not the Spirit of God, but sin rules your life. Your flesh says, I want to do this, and you say, yes, flesh. Your wish is my command. I mean, that's really how it works. 
But the person who has committed themselves to the Lord, it's seen in the abiding, the continuing in his word, are people who have been set free from the bondage of sin. They're exempt from the bondage of sin. When we continue in his word, we grow in spiritual knowledge. And as we grow in spiritual knowledge, we grow in freedom. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Abiding leads to knowing. Knowing leads to liberty. There's a pattern here. And the question, the obvious question, you would think, you know, as Jesus is speaking these things, of course, I read the entire text, and so we know what he was referring to. When you get to verse 34, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So we know what he was speaking of, but as he was speaking these things, of course, they didn't know what was coming. You would think that they would have stopped him and asked the obvious question, free from what? You say we'll be free. Free from what? Because obviously that's what was on their mind because they go on to say we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. So they're thinking one thing, Jesus is saying another thing. Have you found that to be true most of the time? We're thinking of one thing, Jesus is communicating something completely different. We think the answer is this, Jesus is saying no, no, no. The answer is this. And the this, whenever Jesus is giving us the answer, is always himself. He is the answer for everything. I think it's interesting and, and almost comical that these Jewish folks that were, rather than listening to what Jesus had to say, they wanted to debate with Jesus. Um, they say that we've never been in bondage to anyone. It's almost as if they were oblivious of their own history. They were in, in bondage to the Egyptians. That was a long bondage, wasn't it? 400 plus years. They were in bondage to the Assyrians. They were in bondage to the Babylonians for 70 years. They were in, in bondage to the Medes and, and Persians. They were in bondage to the Greeks. They were presently, at that time, in bondage to Rome. They could not do what they wanted to do as their own people, their own sovereign people, because they had another nation ruling over them. But of course, Jesus wasn't speaking of being in bondage to someone. He was speaking of being in bondage to something. Again, most assuredly, verse 34, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So this puts us all in the same category, right? Um, have you sinned? Yes. Um, so that makes us all slaves of sin. In fact, you know, when we share the gospel, if you share the gospel with people, we usually try to use tools that are easy and helpful, like the Roman road. Roman road, we get to that scripture, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What are we doing? What we're trying to convince people, you're a sinner, you're lost, you need to be saved, you need Christ, you know. If there's no acknowledgement of sin, then why in the world do you need the gospel? You don't need the gospel. It's absolutely foolish. So you see how the enemy has really gotten a foothold in modern day uh, churches today, where he's diminished the importance of sin. And... Uh, and there's kind of this nonchalant 
attitude when it comes to sin. And then verse 35, Jesus says, but a son abides forever. See, a slave, a slave might have access to the house, but he's not an heir. He's not a member. But a son or a daughter, they're an heir to the house, to the household. Let me just go over to Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Can we open those back doors, please? We are debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Let me read that again. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live, or you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. You know, guys, um, boy, this is a battle today. I got to tell you, a lot of distractions. Because I'm convinced that the enemy does not want you to hear. We're talking about him later on in our text, the devil. And you know, guys, The church is in a mess. It is. The non-believer says, I am free to do whatever I want. And they don't know, as Jesus went on to teach, that they live by the dictates of their father, who is a murderer and a liar. And their ultimate end is death and separation from God. The Christian, because there is not this understanding of holiness, because there is a neglect of the word of God, and God will hold us accountable. We need to stop saying we're disciples of Jesus Christ if we're not abiding in his word. Let's just be honest people at least. If we're not abiding in his word, let's not say, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. If we're abiding in his word, we will have the comfort and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we will not be people who have this reckless approach to sin Even as believers, there are many professing believers who would say, I'm free to do whatever I want. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible doesn't teach that. Paul wrote, do not not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Who's he writing to? There is no 
Bible verse, not one, that's written to the non-believer. The scripture is written to believers. It's like the Lord is saying, I'm knocking at the door, the church of Laodicea. Let me in. Oh, stop that knocking. What a menace you are. And the Lord is saying, you profess to be my church, but I am warning you. Guys, when you read the scriptures, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're abiding in the word of God, as you read the scriptures, the disciple will come across scriptures that will stop him or her dead in their tracks, and they will say, oh Lord, give me a fuller meaning of this. Too many people have bought into the doctrines of men. I'm a Calvinist, so therefore, I will never perish. I'm an Arminianist, so therefore, I must be saved every week. How about being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you know that all of these isms are man-made and they came much, much later than Christ and the apostles and the word of God and the Holy Spirit? And this doctrine of men is corrupting the mind of professing believers and we're not thinking biblically because we're not in the word of God. Rather, we're thinking isms. I'm this, so therefore my duck. What if the Lord was to say, you know, your ism is wrong. Your ism is wrong. You're following a man. John Calvin, a man. John Calvin if he could speak to modern-day Calvinists, he would probably rebuke them and say, how dare you put words in my mouth? How dare you preach an easy gracism without holiness? How dare you? I'm convinced of it. There needs to be this seriousness when it comes to the word of God. You might say, oh, Dan, you sound upset. I am upset. I don't know. I'm, I'm upset. I, I, I wasn't upset, <laughs> but I am upset because, because there's this, 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 this lack. Of a sense of awe. Of what we're doing. Even what we're doing here today, what we're doing now. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Lord, I was... I was... 
a slave to sin. Lord, I was a, I was a fornicator. I was a liar. I blasphemed your name. I was disrespectful to my parents. I coveted things that were not mine. I was hell-bound. And you saved me. And you washed away my sins. And you removed my sins as far as the east from the west. And in you, I'm clothed with righteousness. I'm accepted in the beloved. One day I'll stand before you, Lord, and I might hear those words, what have you done with my son? I'll say, I believed in him. I placed my faith in him. Not to the praise of me, but to the praise of him. And when we understand this, there should be this sense of indebtedness. We, we just read it, you know, in, in Romans. We're not, we're not debtors to the flesh any longer. Before we were Christians, we shouldn't expect anything from a non-believer. Do you know why non-believers act and do and say the things that they do? Is because that's their true nature. That's what they are. Unredeemed. Unholy. Unrighteous. Slaves to sin. But you know when professing Christians live as if they've never even met Jesus? And there seems to be this loose kind of, you know, hey, it's all covered under the blood of Jesus. You know what that is? That is, I could do whatever I want and Jesus will forgive me. Because I'm a sinner, that's what I do. And Jesus is a savior, that's what he does. And I'll tell you, those are doctrines of demons. And they have infiltrated the church and they're being preached from pulpits and we need to be people who know the word of God, who read the word of God, who abide in the word of God. And then we will experience this freedom. And when we experience this true freedom, we will be grateful each and every day. And when we mess up, and we will mess up, we're quick to go to the Lord. And we'll say, oh Lord, forgive me. I know that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. But Lord, I don't want to give my eyes to things that are unholy. I don't want to give my time, my heart, my body to things that are unholy. The church is weak. From pulpit to pew. Because people are not abiding in the word of God. We pretend to abide in the word of God, but it's seen. You know where it's seen? It's seen in our day-to-day -day life. It's seen in the fact that, that there just doesn't seem to be a distinction. 
Why are believers getting divorced at the same rate as non-believers? Because the believer doesn't say, the word of God tells me as a disciple to, therefore, I will. Rather than, I feel like I can't survive. I can't live in this miserable marriage any longer. Why is it that parents of children that are in rebellion, rather than standing their ground in love so that their children have something to come back to, they vacillate and they lower their standards to the standard of the rebellious child. And the child looks on and they say, my parents are professors of, you know, faith but they have no faith. Why is it that we have parents that bow the knee to where your kid wants to go to church rather than you, dad, choosing what church you go to based upon is the word of God being taught there? I mean, you're not forced to go anywhere. You can go absolutely anywhere you go, but at least be a man of God who says, I'm going to make the decision. And if you're not the man of God in the house, then be be it the wife. But to make a stand and to say, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. That stuff goes. What do you mean? Don't come down heavy. You know, they'll rebel. They're going to rebel anyway. That stuff goes. We don't want that in the house. Well, they're just going to take it out of the house. Well, at least you're setting the holy standard in your household. Here's the thing, and I'll be done, because obviously I'm ranting. God's people are weak because we're not abiding in the word of God. Men of God are weak because you're not abiding in the word of God. You're not being the leader you need to do, need to be. You need to love your wife. You need to love your children. You need to do what you're called to do and not act like you're doing some great task. Women need to do what God has called you to do. Be faithful to the task. Regardless if anyone appreciates it. Talk to the older women. Talk to the older women and ask them, so uh, when you were raising your kids, did your kids come up and bless you and tell you how great you were? And they'll say, no, it's a task. It's a hard task. But we do it as unto the Lord. And when they are old, they will come back and say, oh, bless you, mom. Thank you for your faithfulness. Bless you, dad. Thank you for standing your ground. I hope, because I surely have not done justice at this service to our text, I hope that you would read the text. I hope that you would ask the Lord to teach you from the text. I hope that you would take seriously what Jesus had to say in the text because he's offering freedom to us. 
And if we snub it, if we say, I don't need it, if we're buying into some theology that's not biblical theology, hey, listen, I don't care what anybody else thinks about the isms. I could care less about that. I care about what the Lord says. And I find myself, there are times when the Lord says something where my heart stops. And rather than inserting my pet doctrinal preferences to say, oh Lord, those who endure till the end, perseverance, continuance, abiding, (laughs) rather than, yeah, they believed, but you know, I think they believe. How many parents do this? We deceive ourselves. I know he believes. I know she believes. Are they walking with the Lord? Well, no, 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 but I know they believe. I know they believe. And we pretend to know more than what the word of God tells us. And rather than comforting ourselves that our child that's not walking with the Lord or our husband that has no interest in the things of God or our wife that has no interest in the things of God, rather than comforting ourselves with these words, oh, they believe, they believe. For the abiding true disciple of Jesus Christ who's abiding in the word of God, they are driven to their knees. No one needs to tell them that. They're driven to their knees in fervent prayer. They hold to what James tells us, the fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, and they say, oh Lord, I plead to you now for the soul of my son or my daughter or my wife or my husband. And that's the kind of Christians that the Lord has called us to be. Not feeling driven. Fact driven. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's the truth of God's word. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. We need to examine ourselves according to Paul and see if we're truly in the faith. If we're not truly in the faith, it's an easy thing. Just repent. Just repent and commit your ways to the Lord. Amen? All right. Mariel, come on up and worship that. Why don't you stand? And and then, Nate, we're going to, yeah, okay.